back. Let's go. It's another edition of the Wobcast 2.0. I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw. It's Wobby. It's Giles and Chase, your crew, as usual, here to talk about another Vikings victory. Number two on the season. Your favorite football team moves to two and one. It's episode six, a gift from Detroit. That's right. It was a gift from Detroit. We'll get more into what we mean by that when we break down the game in segment one of the Wobcast 2.0 episode six. Also coming up today, things we liked, things that went well in that victory over Detroit. We'll take a look at the NFC North. We'll take a glance around the National Football League and look at some big storylines and headlines heading into week four. And we'll also preview the Vikings next game, which is against the New Orleans Saints. And it's not in New Orleans and it's not in Minnesota. The game is in London. So we'll talk all about that and much more here on the Wobcast 2.0. Before we do all that, let me introduce you to my partners for the show. It's Giles and Chase. Hey, fellas, how's it going? Doing great. Anytime we get another W, I'm I'm all about that because I went into this season knowing there was going to be some uh, some painful moments, some learning curves. Yeah. Um, however l- ugly that game might have been, we came out on top, which is the point. So uh, we move forward. Yeah, we we do. Um, Chase, I yeah. thought about you. Um, as I'm watching the Chargers play the way they played and the Bengals play the way they played and just that whole fun like preseason debate that we had. I think it was like episode one or two where, yep. where we broke it down. So I thought I'd give you the floor here before we dig into Vikings, um, Vikings victory over Detroit. Your thoughts on those two outcomes? You know, it's a long season. It's a very long <laughs> season. So, okay. yeah, you know what? If some of the best teams in the league are going to take up a loss early, then you know, wins and learns and let's stack up the learns in, in the early right. part of the season. And I'm guessing they're still going to be around, you know, come January. So I think you're right. All right. Let's get into this game here. Uh, Vikings Lions and what went well, things we liked before I um, I'm not going to say I'm going to rain on the parade here, but um, but I, I kind of am. But before we do that, let's be positive. So what we like from this game, I'll go. For, I got three. I'm going to go first. Um, and then you guys can react or you can simply move on and talk about something that you liked. Um, but I'm going to go sort of to an easy one uh, because it, it's like the recency effect of what re- happened really late in the game. I thought sort of um, accentuates something that has been positive for like about a year. And that mm-hmm. is KJ Osborne. Um, he's not a household name, like even in Minnesota, I don't yeah. think. Yeah. Maybe getting there a little bit more. And I'm not about to talk like, you know, Reed Carter Moss or like deep. anything like that. I'm not going there at all. Um, but but he's not nothing. K.J. Osborne is not nothing. And, you know, I think we can be critical of what Detroit did coverage wise on that touchdown to K.J. Osborne. But at the same time, the guy has to run fast, get open, make the catch and, and be confident and have the confidence of his head coach and his quarterback to be out there in that spot. Um, and so I really liked what I saw from KJ Osborne. And I actually thought the throw and catch that cousins and Osborne made the play before the game winning play was more impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but they got paid with the game winner. So KJ yeah. Osborne to me, a big bright spot in the season for the Vikings. Yeah, hundred percent. And when you look at KJ Osborne, Osborne, if you take out the special teams aspect of his play, I know there's been some issues there historically. If you look at offense only KJ, has had only upside. I can't really think of any context where he has dropped the ball, literally or figuratively. He has been yeah. all that but upside. And yeah. 
when you're looking at your wide receiver three, I think he is excelling in every category. You could make a context that, or make an argument that he could be a, a second wide receiver on a lot of teams. Uh, and considering that you are third in the depth chart, I think they've done a pretty decent job at factoring him into the scheme. So uh, props to KJ. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so before I get to my next one, uh, Giles, something you loved. Something I loved. Uh, I feel like I'm going to mince my words here a little bit, but uh, Garrett Bradbury. What a guy. I mean, yeah. uh, I don't know if you uh, saw the PFF grades for this past season or you know, for this season. Uh, he's been okay throughout the season. Definitely not a good great, uh, game one. But against Detroit, he posted a 77.8 PFF grade uh, overall. He had um, a 73.9 pass blocking PFF grade, which is phenomenal for someone like Garrett Bradbury. So um, I think there's two people that really get some kudos from that. And I think first is Kevin O'Connell and scheming him into that. I know a lot of people were nervous going into the season, as was I, that we are going to train wreck our season if we continue on with him at center. Yeah. But if this can continue, like that's going to put us into a decent position to go uh, go deep. And then obviously our offensive line coach has done a phenomenal job with him, told him to put on some weight. Um, and it is simply not a train wreck. When you look at the offensive line, it's a game of who is your weakest link. And historically, that's been Garrett Bradbury and the, the right guard. Now, there's yeah. something to be chatted about with the right guard position. But if they, this can continue, I think we're headed on a good track. Agreed. Um, and actually, you sort of stepped into what my second one was. Oh, but I'll sorry. let no, no, you're good. Uh, we're on the same page on this one. Uh, but I want Chase to chime in on something he liked before I move on to the next one. Yeah, for sure. So for me, it's more of a general thing. Um, and it's just the fact that we had that mental toughness to stick with it. Um, mm -hmm. I think we had a lot of games last year where there were these close games that we didn't play well, where it didn't like as a fan, it didn't feel like, okay, we're not playing our best right now. Um, I'm thinking about the Cardinals game last year, the Bengals game last year, and we lost the game. Yeah. Um, but I was, after playing high school basketball for so long, I, I understand that a pretty loss is 10 times, or I, sorry, excuse me. An ugly win. ugly win is yeah, so much yeah. better than a pretty loss. And the fact yeah. that we played bad and we realized that we were playing bad, but still got the win is yeah. such a big thing. I think it says a lot about our character and who we are as a team that we can yeah. go out there and play bad, stick with it and still win the game. Yep. Especially against an underrated team. A lot of people are sleeping on the lines. They are way better than people are projecting them to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Over the last 10 games, I believe that they've averaged like 34, 35 points a, a game. Like they're a high scoring unit. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, well stated, Chase. And I'm going to dovetail off of that one in a few minutes. Um, your, your whole ugly win, pretty loss situation. Um, my second one, Giles, was the offensive line overall, the offensive mm -hmm. line. Um, I'm, I'm thumbs up on them. I think we're a, maybe a little higher on them than we would be if like we were the Steelers or the Browns who mm -hmm. traditionally in the last decade have had good offensive lines, right? Mm -hmm. I think we would just feel okay about it, but we're coming yep. from the bottom and working our way up. So I think that's mm -hmm. why we feel good about where we're at. Yep. Um, my last one is, um, is Johnny Munt. Like <laughs> I, I know this is sort of like off the beaten path, but and he had a couple of drops in the Green Bay game. Um, but O'Connell brought him here for a reason, is familiar with him and brought him here for a reason. And I, I just like him. I think he's he, he fits my eye. I think he's, no matter what offense you are mm -hmm. or you run, I think mm -hmm. he can help. And, um, and I don't, I'm not projecting him to be anything. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying I think he helps you win. You know, um, I, I like him. I think he's tough. I think he's versatile. And I think he's the type of guy you want on your team. And it's like um, I, I use this analogy a lot with basketball, but it's like um, like if you're playing pickup basketball, 
like there are some guys where it's like, yeah, I don't know. He's not the greatest player or whatever, but I just hate playing against him. Like, I don't want to guard him. Like, yeah. you know, and I think that's kind of he's, he's the football version of that to me. I would agree. Um, and uh, honestly, you can both uh, compliment Johnny Munt and give uh, Irv Smith some uh, some criticism. I think he did a decent job in the in the route running game, but he still obviously has some issues when it comes to, to catching the ball. And I think yep. that is if this continues going to cost him another contract in purple, uh, which is unfortunate because I think he had a tremendous upside, but if he continues this streak much longer, I think uh, Johnny Munn is going to be far more of a tight end one than people may have projected yeah. going into the season. Yeah. Um, yep. So that, I have another one. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. That, no, that yeah. empties the notebook for me on things that, that we liked. I'm done. So let me yep. know if you guys have any others. I have another hot take that a lot of people are potentially criticizing after last night or after last week's game um, that was way better than people projected, and that oh. is pressure. I think okay. people looked at that game saying, "Where in the world is our two edge rushers? They're not getting home," and there was a lot of negative vibes being thrown their way. And I would say when you look at the meat of the game and you actually get into the individual plays, we were actually getting pressure a lot against, mind you, a very good offensive line. Yeah, They're they are potentially yep. top three in the league. The last two weeks, yeah. we've had the number one offensive line and maybe number three. They have very stout, very power-heavy offensive lines. And we were getting great pressure. We just were not getting home. And I think when you combine that with our maybe very cover six heavy or too high safety um, defense, I think it showed that uh, we weren't doing very good in the secondary where they were able to get the ball off pretty quickly where we simply yeah. didn't have time to get home in the other context we might get later down this season but pressure is looking very very great so i think here on out we're going to face much more um less superior offensive lines and i think you're going to see that manifest itself in a lot of different ways but props to the defense uh specifically in the off or on the defensive line even harrison phillips and um uh our other big boy up front i'm blanking yeah. on his name but they were doing very very well yeah. uh tomlinson i'm sorry yep. um tomlinson. that entire defensive line looked very very great and i would say um i know a lot of people were angry with the cut of armand watts um but i think our defensive line is looking pretty stout now i know we've talked about signing sue but i think if we sign sue that might be good from a, a run defense standpoint but at least from a pass pro or you know pass pass uh defense yeah. we we're doing really good up front yep yep um all right i i want to talk about <laughs> I was texting with some friends, um, you know, after the game, not not you guys, but um, some other folks just about like game management and decision making, you know, and it's just like our consensus was like Detroit's going to Detroit on you. Like, I just I do not understand trying the field goal there like and I, I don't know that this is really going to be a great discussion for us because we're all going to agree on it. Like, it'd be mm -hmm. awesome if we could have someone on here who would tell us that was a great move and we could, like, talk about it. But, mm -hmm. like, no one would say that. Yeah. How in the heat of the moment are these decisions getting made? And we talked about this last week, guys. We yeah. talked about some of these coaches, if they're not comfortable making these calls or they continuously make the wrong decisions, just mm -hmm. give it to someone else on your staff that doesn't think about play calling doesn't think about pregame speeches, doesn't think about mm -hmm. arguing with the rest, give it to someone else, you know, yep. because it's mal, it, it was malpractice for Dan Campbell to kick a field goal there. It, it mm -hmm. would be better to pooch punt that, to punt that. It would be better to throw an interception than to mm -hmm. try a field goal Correct. in that position. Yep. And even if you make that field goal, which he's never made a field goal of that distance in his career, 
Even if you make that field goal, the Vikings have over a minute to go and a touchdown still wins the game for them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and I've heard uh, a lot of uh, uh, personalities in Minnesota talk about this this week, how I think maybe it originated from Peyton Manning, but how when you're in that position, you're not just playing the game clock in the field on your own offense. You are playing the uh, other team's head coach and you are, I mean, if you're trying to go up six, now you are tempting them to be super aggressive to go get a touchdown versus if yes. you're only three ahead, there's an element that makes you a little bit more uh, safe. Like, oh, we just need a field goal. Let's not, don't throw a pick. Don't throw exactly the game away. Right. You were exactly. asking them to be more more passive um, against a team that has, uh, at least this season, um, kind of a predisposition to be aggressive. So, that, yeah, total miss on, on Man Campbell's part. I, like, they're four of six on fourth down anyway. Like, I, I just, mm-hmm. like, we, we can end the conversation here because we all agree, and I think our listeners are intelligent enough to probably see it the same way, but this is not a Monday morning armchair quarterback thing. This is like I'm sitting in a, a chair on a soccer field in Lakeville watching, you know, kids soccer trying to, trying to watch this game, and I'm like, well, I mean, they're not, you know, they're going to go for it here. Like, yep. no, and he's trotting out the field goal team, a 54-yarder, Yep. going the direction that the doors are open and it's windy. I mean, I just, yep. like if I'm the owner, if I'm the Detroit Lions owner and I'm in the building watching this game, I'm just, I'm pulling my, well, I can't pull my hair out, but I mean, <laughs> if I could, yep. I would. I mean, I yep. just, it's, even the message that sends to your offense, like we yeah. don't believe in you to go get another fourth down. Like yeah. he's all about like being aggressive and being physical and tearing each other's kneecaps yeah. off. That yeah. doesn't preach that message that shows yeah. that you're not putting your money where your mouth is. And, and, and it's, you know, you have the chance to make a game winning play, mm-hmm. right? Like, like we talked about, even if you make the field goal, you have not won the game. No. And as no. it turns out, the Vikings had no problem going down in three plays and scoring a touchdown on you. So I yeah. don't know why you thought a six point lead was any better than a three point lead. Uh, you know, so I think he learned from it and we've been hard enough on the guy. He seems like a really likable guy and a good coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's certainly not listening to this, but I mean, you know, I think he probably learned and he did come out on Monday and say he regretted kicking the field goal, but like that doesn't do anything for you, you know? And, you know, and I heard him too. He's like, this loss is on me. And Kevin O'Connell said that in Philadelphia, this loss is on me. And I get it. Players love hearing that because it exonerates them from blame. But like, you can only have so many of this loss is on me moments before it's like the next loss is going to be on someone else because you're not here anymore. A hundred percent. And not only did he lose the game in that moment, he also lost the division. Had they won the yeah. game, they would have been in first place in the division for the first time in history, period. Wow. Like, wow, you, that was a, a very special game for them, and they yeah. they yeah. tanked it. Yeah, that that's a big one. All right. Um, so before we move on to looking around the NFC North, guys, uh, the last thing here on this game is just in general, where do the Vikings stand? Um, you know, to to put it basically, they are two and one, and they are in first place in the division. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little tenuous or skeptical on them at, at this moment, but to dovetail off of what Chase said, you know, ugly losses are better than pretty wins. And at the end of the season, it's all about, we would always say when I was with the team, we'd come in after a win. And it's like another notch, got another notch, another notch mm-hmm. on the belt, another notch on the belt, you know, and yep. you need nine or 10 back in those days. Cause it was a 16 game schedule. Now it's, you probably need 10 or 11. You need 10 Mm -hmm. or 11 notches and Mm -hmm. who cares how you got does not matter. Right. So I get that part of it too. And the Vikings have two. And I think at the beginning of the season, we all would have taken two and one after three, right? 
Is that fair to say? All right. So I'm tenuous on it. There are some things I really don't like. uh, But where do you guys think the team stands? Um, I would say going into the season, we talked about it before that we knew there was going to be some learning curves, both on offense and defense. You're installing new schemes on both sides of the ball. And although you do have some veteran players, and since you didn't play preseason, that's going to take a hot second to learn. So the fact that we were able to squeak out two wins, considering that we're in the learning curve uh, process, I would say we're going to still be in it for maybe another game or two. I'm taking that, honestly. Um, furthermore, uh, when it comes to defense, I, there's, I think there's one player in specific that we need in order for our scheme to be successful. And that person is Lewis Seen because... If you looked at it again this last game, we played too high safety very, very deep, similar to the way we did in the Eagles game, which tells me they are trying to be a bend but don't break uh, okay. um, offense. They're trying to uh, or defense. They're trying to remove uh, those explosive plays, like you mentioned. Um, but they need to be able to be faster coming in from that too high safety. And right now they don't have that speed. Now Lewis Seen, I don't know if you remember this from the draft in his forty time. If you take the the first ten yards of that play, or you know, yard split. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It was the fastest in draft history. Period. Lewis Seen, he is so stinking fast when he learns how to do it. But at least from the rumors that I've been hearing is that he can't read the play fast enough yet. He's still learning. But once he learns it, I think that will be a game changer for this defense where we'll still be able to play our default and be able to be very, very agnostic from a look before pre-snap and then be able to go attack the ball once it is snapped. And we need Lewis Seen to be able to do that. That is honestly the crux of the entire thing right now is we're trying to limp along until he's ready simply because we don't have the speed. But otherwise, uh, definitely loving what we're seeing. All right, great. Chase, how do you feel? Well, so I'm looking at it from two uh, two points of view, and it's our record and then how we got to that record. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Two and one after three, love it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very okay with that. But then I look at our three games that we've played so far. Loved week one, hated week two, week three, love and hate, you know? Yeah. Um, so like I said, the learning curve that makes me feel a little better. Um, but I wouldn't say I'm ecstatic about it so far, um, but I am definitely content. And I think I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful. I, I think I've seen enough good stuff to where I think they could carry us through the last 14 games and, um, you know, have a successful season. But I'm not yep. full, fully on board there yet. I will amend my stance on it. I said I'm tenuous. I like the word Chase used, content. I think that's a good word for it. If you're a Vikings fan, you should be content. I, and you don't want to be content, you know, like in week 15. Like, no. you know, you want your hair to be on fire. Like no one can stop you. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are not there, but, but they are not, you know, they should not be, you know, feeling down right now. I mean, mm-hmm. they're two in one in first place. So content's yep. a good word for that. I think um, I, I want to Giles, you mentioned something when you were talking about scene and the defense and, you know, physically he can do it, uh, but he's still learning to read it. And it just reminded me, um, you know, when I was with the team, and how Mike Zimmer felt about Andrew Sendejo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Andrew was never uh, like the type of physically gifted athlete in the NFL who would just change games for you, you know? Obviously, he was a physically gifted athlete because he was in the NFL, but like relative to other athletes out there, I mean, he was a guy. Mm-hmm. But he was, a, he was really an important part of the Vikings defense, and no one could ever really wrestle that starting job away from him ever, even though the Vikings did everything they could to upgrade from a physical standpoint at that spot. I mean, Anthony Harris eventually ended up getting it um, for a very short term, but he didn't. Yeah. I don't think he played as well as Andrew Sandejo played for a few seasons there. And what really opened my eyes to Sandejo um, 
and his role in the Mike Zimmer defense was a production meeting we had one time. I, I can't remember bef- like who we were playing, what game it was, but it was a Monday night game. And it was like in set we, um, t- 2017, 2016 or 17. And Sandejo was probably not going to play in the game. And yeah. we get through this production meeting and Zim was kind of in a good mood, I think, or a playful mood. You know, and he's like, you guys asked, you know, I kept me here for, you know, for an hour and a half. You asked me all these questions. You even asked me about Sandejo. He might not play. And he basically, what he did was he took out, um, he took out a binder and he said, this is what we're working with. If Sandejo plays, this is what we can do. And then he took out another one and said, but this is what we can do if he doesn't play. And it was, you know, a third of the size. Wow. And he's like no one really knows it or appreciates it but when he's in the game i can do a lot more because Mm -hmm. he knows what we're doing he can anticipate it he's got Mm -hmm. great synergy with harrison smith you know and he's like not only is he great at all those things but his the the replacement there is so far from that that Mm -hmm. you're not even breaking even you know Mm -hmm. you're not and i just thought and i just wondered like how many players are like that in the nfl like that we don't really talk about very much but like yep. their their coordinators or head coaches would say that about them and the reason i bring this up is because what you were saying about scene where it's like yeah physically he can do it but he's still learning and that's okay he's a rookie but just think if he gets to a point where he can match um you know mentally with what he can mm-hmm. do physically the vikings might have a special player there yeah and specifically with our defensive scheme because it's very clear that they have invested into jump start speed not just someone who is fast but someone that can break off the ball immediately at tremendous speed and then after 10 yards they've hit their stride yeah. but someone that can move very very quickly very you know you know yeah. quickly both fast and and, and quickly yes. um, so time will tell i'll give it an, another couple weeks um across all of our rookies for that matter i think there's mm-hmm. still a few rookie elements that need improving but um we're still in that learning curve yeah, for sure all right, uh, let's take a peek around the NFL here. Um, the mighty fall, you know, and we we got we can't be too hard on Buffalo. I mean, they lost to another team that's undefeated, mm-hmm. but I mean, everyone we talked about it. Everyone just let Buffalo skate to the postseason, skate to a division title, skate to the Super Bowl. Uh, Miami advantage, Miami right now. Um, I think Buffalo should have won the game. I think this mm-hmm. is one they'll look back on and say that one hurt. Uh, Mm -hmm. We should have won that game, even though it was on the road. I I just think Buffalo should have won it. Um, Mm -hmm. Kansas City gets upset in Indianapolis. Um, I think we all thought Indy was good before the season, but then they looked so bad. Um, They came home. They were desperate, and they beat who I think is a better team, but Mm -hmm. but they got the victory. Um, I thought that was interesting. Something to be said for desperation. You know, a team yeah. that's desperate playing at home. So watch yep. Las Vegas this week. They are winless and they're hosting Denver. Um, Tampa Bay loses to Green Bay. Obviously, you can't be too hard on Tampa for this. Green Bay is a Super Bowl contender, but they did lose at home. And yep. I don't think Tampa's offenses look good all season. I agree. You you can you can be worried about Tampa's offense. So I'll leave it there. The mighty fall: Buffalo, Kansas City, and Tampa. Um, any thoughts on, on any of those three games? Um, I will say I'm not too concerned about Tampa's offense because um, I think they'll pick it up. I mean, they, okay. they obviously were, they were uh, down a few players. Julio really hasn't made a, a ton of a splash since he's been there. And I think if you compare that to when Gronk came, Gronk wasn't very heavy on the first part of the season. Sure. So I expect that to pick up. Um, 
Honestly, the bigger concern was they had so many penalties that cost the game. They should have won that game, yeah. uh, you know, in the last last little bit there. Uh, but it's Tom Brady. He'll find a way to make it happen. Physically, I don't know what he's taking in his daily supplements, but he seems to be improving year over year when it comes Crazy. to all the individual yeah. stats. He is just a beast. Yeah. Um, so we'll see when it comes to them. But, uh, yeah, honestly, the Colts, I, I went into the season viewing them as a dark horse for the Super Bowl title because I view Matt Ryan as a better quarter that – better quarterback than most people look at him and I have a decently stacked roster um so I thought they'd be doing much better than they had been so the first two weeks I was a bit surprised but um yeah that third week that was a little bit of an enigma uh, especially for Kansas City yeah very strange um all right big wins Indy we just talked about it confidence builder for them in a division that no one is running away with uh so that that was a really big moment for the Colts Miami we already talked about it but um two has got a you know I think I think you got to watch his health. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing that would concern me about Miami is Waddle and Hill in tandem is awesome with Tua. I don't know if I would love it if it was just Tua and one of those guys. Agreed. I don't you know if both. I would love that. Yeah, I don't know if I would love that because I don't know what else there is there. Mm-hmm. Um, Tennessee, I thought their win was a big win. I mm-hmm. thought that was a huge deal for them to beat Oakland there. For them to go 0-3 would be a problem, I think. I think that'd be an issue. Especially um, coming from the number one overall seed last year. Like, that's that, a, a no, exactly. big place to fall from. But that's where I was going because of, there was a little consternation with Tannehill. It's like they drafted a quarterback. It's not my job to mentor him. And all the talk about how devastating that loss was for him. And then you start 0-3 and you got the upstart Jaguars. And that would have been an issue, I think, going 0-3 for Tennessee. Wondering mm-hmm. where Derrick Henry is and losing Taylor Luan for the Titans is, is trouble, but they did get a big win. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, Dallas, um, I thought their win was big. And yep. the reason is, like, Dak's going to come back and his layoff is not going to be so long that he's got to knock the rust off like Deshaun Watson's will be. It's like when Deshaun comes back, he's not just going to be Deshaun Watson. Like, it's no. going to take a bit. Dak yeah. can just come back and be Dak, I think. Mm-hmm. So any win that Dallas gets in his stead is just a bonus. I mean, they're just playing yeah. with house money with every win they get. And Especially chasing, in division. Yes. and they're Oh, yeah, in division. And they're chasing the Eagles. So mm-hmm. for them to get these NFC wins is key because I think they're fighting for a wild card. I don't think they're going to run the Eagles down. Uh, so I thought Dallas winning on Monday night was big. So yeah. those were my big wins of the week. Um, any thoughts on those games or any others before we move on and talk about New Orleans? Uh, lastly is a little bit more from a macro lens. How about the NFC East in general? Like they were the dumpster fire division for the longest time. And finally they're competitive. So props to them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, and, and Chase, I don't remember how you felt about the Eagles, but Giles was pro Eagles heading into the season. Um, Mm -hmm. so, um, Nostradamus over there on the Eagles, (laughs) that was, that was a good preseason tout, but, um, but Chase, I don't, I don't remember where you stood on them, but the Eagles look good. Yeah, I'm really high on Jalen Hurts. He's been blessing my fantasy team this year. Um, <laughs> but Love it. Yeah, he just Eagles are looking good, man. They're just that connection with AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts is phenomenal. The O line, yeah. the defense, Darius Slay embarrassed us. I, yeah, you know, yeah. Not to talk about them the entire time, but before yeah. we move on, I do want to mention one more thing, and that's just obviously I think you're exactly right. I manage Miami right now over Buffalo, but I just don't want to forget that Buffalo embarrassed the Super Bowl champs and embarrassed the AFC one seed in weeks one and two. You're right. So yeah, I mean, they lost to, you know, uh, almost like a, I don't want to say a technicality, but kind of a technicality. Yeah. Um, they lost to Miami, but I still think they're the team to beat in the AFC East and honestly the AFC. So uh, yep. 
I just want to make sure we're on the yeah. Yeah, I think that's fairly stated. I think that's fairly stated. But, you know, Miami is probably feeling like it's, hey, we got lightning in a bottle. Let's keep this going. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think, you know, like the, the Vikings in 2017, like I bet you there were some people who thought this is going to end. Like they've caught lightning in a bottle. Uh, Case Keenum can't keep playing this way. The, they can't keep just giving up 16 points a game. It's going to go up and it never did. Mm-hmm. Right. It just never did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think we're looking at with Miami. Um, Buffalo is the class of the division and probably the conference with, you know, respect to Kansas city. No, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. I don't even, I can't remember offhand where Buffalo plays this week, but um, I'm, I'm sure they're going to bounce back. And mm-hmm. if you're of the, if you're inclined to gamble, I, I would, the, the two things I would really look at is Buffalo because there's something to be said for pro athletes after they get embarrassed or after they're pissed off. And then Vegas, mm-hmm. I think you got to look at Vegas, a winless team at home against a division rival. Good spot to be in. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Let's preview the New Orleans Saints here before we sign off. Um, I got, um, I have some pretty strong opinions on this one, um, actually. So this game is in London, Sunday, 8.30 a.m. Central Time. Vikings are two-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under is 43-and-a-half. Um, it's at Totten Hotspur, which is an outdoor stadium. I believe it's grass. Mm-hmm. So I don't love that for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, but... This is technically a road game for the Vikings and a home game for the Saints, and it's a huge break to not have to play in New Orleans because that's a significant home field advantage for a team that is leaning on its defense this year. Mm -hmm. Um, So the Vikings catch a big break here, not having to play in New Orleans. I don't love them on the grass outdoors, um, but um, and I don't love that the Vikings are waiting so long to get to London um, and the Saints went early. I think that's the better play. Um, all that being said, I th- I think this is a good spot for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think two and a half is way too low. Um, if I was in Vegas or if I was in a sport or a state where you could bet on you know sports, the Vikings would be a strong play here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this line is suppressed because Dalvin is questionable mm-hmm. and because it's a neutral site and you're traveling to London. Um, but I don't think Dalvin's exclusion would be a huge deal. No disrespect to him, but the the level of replacement is very high with Alexander Madison. And this is this is a Kirk Cousins, Kevin O'Connell, Justin Jefferson production. Yep. This is not a we need to run the ball or we're screwed situation. Yep. So yep. I think that angle gets overplayed, and I think this line is too low. I love the Vikings in this spot. I've got a few more takes on this, but I'll just stop there and kind of open the floor to you guys. But I love this spot for the Vikings. Having won the game the way they did against Detroit, I think is going to help them too. Yep. And I think you said it best. I think this might be a true Justin Jefferson show because like you said before, athletes don't like getting embarrassed. And I think Justin Jefferson has felt embarrassed the last two weeks. Um, Now, I think they were committing far more penalties than what were called during the game, but he was glued uh, or they were glued to him. But I think he is going to find a way to go shove it down the Saints' throat. I think it's yeah. going to be a big game for J- for JJ. Well, yeah, and Chase, I don't know how you feel about that, but um, or if you wanted to go to a different topic, but um, off of off of what Giles was saying, it's a cool matchup with Lattimore, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. I think Jefferson's due for for a big game. I think he's the type of player to. I, I think, like you said, all athletes they don't like being embarrassed, but I think there's certain athletes who don't like it more, and I think Justin Jefferson is one of those athletes. Yep. Um, yep. 
I think he knows exactly what's happening. I think he I think he understands what fans and what other players are thinking of him right now. And I think he's going to go out there and, you know, have a fire under him and, and try to embarrass them. Yep. And, and let's not forget, he's also gunning for a new contract this offseason. So he wants sure. to show up and show out. And, and, and Kevin O'Connell, I believe, and I don't know him, I've never met him, uh, but I believe if he, if Sean McVay, if there's any Sean McVay in him, which we have to believe there is, without losing, without your compass not pointing north anymore, they are able to empathize with a player like Justin Jefferson who wants to have a big game and and then cater to that. Without, mm-hmm. without um, sabotaging the team's effort, you know, and without mm-hmm. cutting your nose to spite your face, I think Kevin O'Connell has a little bit of, I got you. I got your back, JJ. We got you on yep. this. We'll help you. Yep. And so um, a couple of other points on this one. The one thing I'll I'll leave this one I'll leave that point for the end the game wrecker the potential game wrecker for the Vikings I'll leave to the end but I think New Orleans defense is tough and a handful and may take some figuring out for the Vikings I think their offense is shaky I think this is the Tampa Bay Jameis Winston I don't think this is the Jameis Winston that New Orleans hopes he can be I think mm-hmm. he's dealing with an injury Michael Thomas Jarvis Landry dealing with injuries I don't know Kamara's status. And so I feel like this is almost like a get right game for the Vikings defense. Mm. Um, I think the Saints line offensive line is not as good as it has been um, in nope. recent seasons. So if this game was at U.S. Bank Stadium, like I think the Saints would be in big trouble. But the Vikings won't have that advantage. I still think it's a get right game for the Vikings defense. The last thing I'll say, the potential game wrecker here, though, for the Vikings is Cam Jordan. The guy plays well against Minnesota for whatever reason. Um, I, I'm not going to go so far as to say it's because his dad used to play here or, and, and he's got a bunch of family that always comes to Viking Saints games. I don't know what it is. It's just a matchup that favors him, whatever. He's also just a damn good player. Um, yeah. And I haven't looked at the injury report. I presume he's playing. I don't know of any injury he's dealing with. But he's a guy who can ruin the game for the Vikings. So as long as I take care of Cam Jordan... Yeah, and they don't just lose their minds on defense. Uh, I think the Vikings are in a great spot here. Yep, I would reckon to say that his face is big on the board uh, throughout the course of this week. How do we yeah. stop this guy? Yeah, exactly right. Um, so prediction-wise, um, I think the Vikings cover this spread easily. I think they win by a touchdown, uh, mm-hmm. if not more. You know, um, I think they win going away. In fact, like like I think it's to use another basketball reference for my guy Chase. You know how like it's a close basketball game, but then it ends up being like a 12 or 15 point game because it's fouling yeah. at the end and a bunch of free throws like this is like maybe a touchdown game or so. But then it's like a 14 point game or a 17 point game when it's all said and done because New Orleans gets desperate. They're throwing passes. They're never running it. We're teeing off on pass rush. You know, we're kicking field goals at the end. We're being conservative and it just turns into an ugly situation. Um, that's what I see here. You know, I think the total's about right at 43 and a half because I don't think the Saints are going to get to 20. Um, I think they're going to be at 10 or, or 14 or something like that. So the total I wouldn't really mess with, but I think the Vikings cruise in this game. How about you guys? I would agree. I'm projecting 27-13 Vikings. Sure. Um, I think we'll uh, show up on both sides of the ball and put them away nicely. It'll sure. still be a challenge, don't get me wrong. but Yeah, I think it will be like for like the first quarter and a half, two quarters, but like I said, it gets to be that, that free throw type of game, you know, chase. Mm -hmm. 
I think I'm going to go 28-17 Vikings. Um, I don't think there's going to be too much here that we got to worry about, but I think our key is definitely to make um, Jameis Winston uncomfortable because mm-hmm. um, I think he's, for all respect to Jameis Winston, I think he's their problem. Um, I look yeah. at the wide receivers, and they got a couple of guys, whether they play or not, you know, Michael Thomas, Olave, Callaway, Landry, like they have a decent receiver mm-hmm. room. Yeah. Um, I just think Jameis Winston is a 30-30 quarterback. So it's going to get you as many interceptions as he gets to touchdowns. Yeah. Um, and I think if we can make him uncomfortable, he's going to make a lot of bad decisions. So if we can do that, I think we'll win by, you know, maybe 10 plus even. Um, yeah. So, and I, and I think we will. I, I think I'm obviously they have, a, <laughs> they're game planning a lot more than I am. So yeah. I'm assuming they well, know that, so. it's a big, it's a big spot for the Vikings here. Um, let's, let's not put the cart before the horse. Um, but, um, you know, they, they got the Bears. They, they got the Bears next week, you know, and we didn't really take a close look at the NFC North. Um, we, we did talk about Green Bay a little bit and, and obviously Detroit a bunch, but I think uh, Chicago's passing yards for the season is 297 <laughs> for the season. Okay. Four interceptions, 10 sacks, like Vikings at home. I think maybe the easiest game all season, I if think we're so. being completely honest. So, so I think it is. So. You'll beat New Orleans three and one. Probably gonna beat the Bears at home four and one, and then I think you go to Miami for a really big game. Um, yeah, so that, big that's game. what that's what I think you're looking at here um, in Vikings Nation, and that's really a lot of fun. Um, yep. So uh, a, a really big opportunity for the Vikings here in London as they go to play the New Orleans Saints again. That kickoff, remember, folks, is Sunday at eight thirty a.m. Central Time from London. Should be fun. Just like episode six of the Wobcast 2.0 was fun. My thanks to uh, Giles and Chase. Did we empty our notebooks? You guys good? Yeah, we're good to go. All right, sweet. Um, Thank you guys for listening uh, to the Wobcast 2.0. This was episode six. Episode seven will come next week when we break down the Vikings and the Saints game. Hopefully a big victory for the purple. You can find the Wobcast 2.0 where you find all of your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, you can also find us on Twitter at Wabi on Twitter. Please send us some tweets, questions, and thoughts so we can include what you want in future shows. You can also email us at therealwobcast at gmail.com. We love when fans and listeners drive the content, so we encourage you guys to do that. And we encourage you to continue listening by downloading and subscribing to the Wobcast 2.0. For my partners, Giles and Chase, this is Wabi signing off for now. Vikings Saints Sunday at 8:30. Watch the game and then come back here and talk about it with us. Skull Vikings. <laughs>